Oh my goodness, you crazy son of a bitch. Do you have any idea what you've just done? You've just discovered the Marks and Lestrap Show Podcast Hour. This is the show that may or may not be an hour long based on your perception of time and how much I've got to say. So strap yourselves in and prepare your ears for the journey of a lifetime with your host of the Martin Lestrap Show Podcast Hour, me, you idiot. Welcome everybody to the Martin Lestrap Show Podcast Hour. This is episode number 133. And in just a few minutes, I am going to play for you part two of my conversation with my friend and fellow author, Will Entrican. So as many of you know, last week I spoke with my friend Will, and he and I had an epic three-hour conversation. And so because we had such a long, epic, amazing conversation, I decided to break it up into two parts. So for those of you keeping up, you already heard part one, and this week you get to be rewarded with the conclusion of my conversation with Will Entrickin with part two on episode number 133. Last week, for those of you who did not listen to part one, and I don't know why you didn't. In fact, I don't know why you're listening to this now. You really should pause this, go backwards and listen to part one, and then come back and listen to part two. But... But if you want to do things backwards and you absolutely refuse, then I can at least give you a little bit of a roundup. Amongst other things, Will and I talked about Stephen King and reading Stephen King novels and short stories. Uh, Will, it turns out, is a bit of a Stephen King trivia expert. So at one point, I couldn't remember a Stephen King book, so I just kind of described the cover and and Will told me exactly what it was. So that happened. You missed that. Uh, we also talked about his, his publishing press, uh, Exciting Press, which uh, I'm I'm signed to, so I'm uh, I'm one of the writers, uh, the authors at, at Exciting Press. So we talked a little bit about that, and we also talked about Will's novel, The Prodigal Hour, and that was actually the uh, the the last thing that we kind of talked about at the end of part one, and so uh, and and we'll pick up. Th- there's a little bit more in that conversation, just uh, just a minute or so that we're going to pick up in just a few minutes, and then moving forward. You're going to hear the rest of our conversation where where I'm going to ask him a little bit more about exciting press, and we'll get into we'll get into other topics such as uh, you know self publishing versus indie publishing and what's the difference and and how we feel about that and and some other cool stuff especially if if you enjoy writing and, and, and publishing definitely 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 going to have some topics uh, that are going to be well within your wheelhouse. Now, before we move on to the rest of my conversation with Will. I want to remind you that if you have any shopping to do, to to go to Amazon.com. But before you go to Amazon.com, go to the official website of this podcast, which you'll find at martinlestrapsshow.com. Once you get there, go to the shop page, and on the shop page, you're going to see an Amazon banner. Click that banner. It's going to take you to Amazon.com, and you can do all the same shopping you were going to do, including buying a copy of The Prodigal Hour by Will Entrigan. And uh, and because you went through the official website of this podcast, Amazon in turn will kick back a few pennies our way, and then we get to take those pennies and reinvest them into the show, and that allows us here to make the Martin Lestrap Show podcast hour as good as we can possibly make it for you, which is what we strive to do week after week after week. 
Also, if you're not already subscribed on iTunes, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. It's free. And while you're there, leave a review, just a few words, saying that uh, that you like the show and that you think it's cool. And uh, even if you don't like the show very much, go ahead and leave a review. It'll, it'll just be, you know, whatever. It'd be nice to see to see what you guys have to say about it. But hopefully, hopefully you're enjoying yourself. And if you're not an iTunes listener, because, you know, not everybody is an iTunes listener, you can also catch the show on Stitcher Radio, which is also free. And you can find that at Stitcher.com. And if uh, iTunes and Stitcher, if neither one of those does it for you, that you can always listen the old-fashioned way by going to martinlestrapshow.com where all 133 episodes are available for you. Now, uh, as we pick things up at, for, in part two of my conversation with Will Entrican, you're going to hear me talking about, uh, about writing, but, uh, but if you don't remember exactly where we left off last week, Will was talking about uh, the, the phenomenon of your, when you're writing and you'll, you know, something will come out of you, a sentence, a paragraph, a character, you know, whatever it is, but something, something will come out of you and it, it'll almost feel like you, you didn't write it and you can objectively see it and say, wow, that was, that was really good because it, cause it, it was as if it was as if it came from somewhere else. And so at the beginning of part two, you're going to hear me, uh, uh, picking up on that, on that idea and giving my own thoughts about, uh, you know, what I, what I sort of think of as, as, as falling into a trance when you're writing that, that that's, that's, you know, kind of the best case scenario. If you can just sort of like lose yourself in a trance and just the story kind of comes through you. So anyway, uh, that's what you're going to hear me talking about at the beginning of, of, uh, of part two. And then from there, we're going to get into some other topics. So without any further ado, here is part two of my conversation with my friend, fellow author, and my brother from another mother, Will Entrican. I always think of it as like uh, just you know, it's almost like it's almost like a trance where you can yep. you can make the decision to sit down and you can make the decision to write and you can actively put words on the page. But the best case scenario is if you can just fall into this trance where you're 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 doing the writing but it feels like you're there's there's something that's come over you and there's things being said where and and it's if you've never written you you probably can't fully appreciate what will's talking about but i get it where you'll you'll write something and you don't know where it came from and you can almost objectively say like that was really good as if somebody else wrote it because it doesn't feel like like i wrote this great sentence but like i don't know where that came from i mean i typed it that's fucking good. Let me let me see where this where this goes, um, yeah. and so that's that's absolutely the the best case scenario. And you can you can almost I, I feel like when when you read enough, you could tell the difference. You can you can read a book and tell when somebody was actively writing the book, and you can read the books where you can tell like they they got lost in a trance. And this is you know that's yep. and and of course those are you know the, those are the the best ones. Now, with uh, with with the Prodigal Hour, it wasn't the first book you published under the uh, Exciting Press uh, uh, umbrella and uh, banner, but but for me, it's it's sort of it, it always kind of stands out as the uh, as, as the cornerstone of um, of Exciting mm-hmm. Press, and um, uh, and, and well, and, you, uh, you guys are the cornerstone of Exciting oh, Press. Oh, that's, that's... <laughs> you, Maya, Nick, Kurt, Jim. I mean, yeah. So I'm lucky. I'm privileged about that. But anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Well, see, that, see I was gonna, and and uh, and that's and that's very sweet of you. But the prodigal hour is the cornerstone of exciting press because it all kind of, in, in my mind, that 
kind of it kind of came from there, and uh, and so uh, remind me really quickly again uh, of the timeline. You um, you talked about Nick Earls uh, and 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 mm-hmm. hooking up with him and, and his agent, and and they sort of uh, unwittingly kind of forcing your hand into like, okay, if I'm, if I'm going to do this, let's do it right. About what right. year was that? That was uh, right after the prodigal hour. Actually, that was it was kind of almost simultaneous. Um, so I was finishing. So um, it, it was partly my MBA actually, because um, basically I realized for me, corporate publishing was broken. Um, it didn't make sense as a business, um, a- any parts of it, and not even just like the author agreements and royalties and stuff like that, but just. Um, the submission process and the way corporations seem to acquire books and then the ways they package them and sell them, like the whole returns thing. Um, and provided I, I've, this, things may have changed from that time, but from what I had understood, it was like, excuse me, they buy a book and they put like, you know, they, they invest their um, editor's time, all that kind of stuff into it. And they, they acquire a manuscript that they edit and, you know, cover design, all that kind of stuff. A lot of which is, is away from the author. Like authors don't get much decision over cover design and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once they have it, once they publish it, like, you know, you get the advanced reading copies to press and the media and stuff like that. And then they talk to booksellers and it's kind of like, if the person who's buying for Barnes and Noble doesn't believe in the book, if they can't sell it there, like it's not going to do well at Barnes and Noble. And then when Barnes and Noble buys, like, so, um, so you're the, the bookseller at Barnes and Noble. This is as I understand it, mind you. Like you want to place an order for 250 copies of this book for your store, which I mean, that's a huge number for one store, but go with me. Right. Um, so you're making that. So 250 copies at wholesale, you're looking at 10 bucks per. So it's 2,500 bucks. Um, but you have this order uh, from the, these other books that you had already bought. $2,500 worth of, and you only sold half. So you got a credit for that half. So you've got a credit of 1250 but you didn't have to sell those other books. So you, you know, remainder them and you're making a profit, but you get credit with the publisher for what you didn't sell. So that kind of counts against blah, blah, blah. So it's just all this, like, I, it's so like, that's not how lettuce works. That's not how <laughs> CDs work. That's not like you, farmers don't, supermarkets don't return unsold lettuce to farmers. Like that's just not how business functions, you know? Um, so that was kind of what I was looking at and like not say books or produce or anything like that, or widgets or any of those kinds of things or take away from the, the magic literature, blah, blah, blah. Um, but looking at it from a business perspective, that was what I like. I wanted to, I wanted to make it viable and to be serious about it and not just, um, the creation of books, but the getting them to readers. Like, I mean, and I think that's it. Like the, the reader discovery, that, that contract, I mean, that is what is stunning to me that like a good book is telepathy. Mm -hmm. Like that's it. And it's so amazing to me and wanting to make sure that, that, um, because books are the media that require the most active participation on the audience, I think that they are the easiest to break. Like, I think that any amount of friction 
hurts that. Mm -hmm. So I want to kind of create a situation where there's no friction, where there's no middleman, where there's no nothing, where it's just like reader, book, author, like that's it. You know, like it's magic Mm -hmm. basically. Um, and I, and I think Amazon and Bezos are going that way. Like for me, a Kindle, like the paperweight, like I think that's magic. Like it's just the screen, the words and everything else falls away, you know? Um, so at SC, I, that I realized that if I wanted to do that, I needed to learn more about business because I didn't know anything about it. Um, so I, I had moved to Denver um, right after USC uh, for entirely other reasons, but I went to, um, I, I knew I wanted to continue schooling and I was considering a couple different options. Um, and then and I went to, there's a place called Regis University, that's a Jesuit college out in Denver. Um, and they had an open house for their graduate school. And I went and I went for like, um, I intended to design my own program or whatever, but I got there and there was like this big open forum or whatever. And it was one of those things where like, you know, that situation where you're around people and you're like, wow, I found, I kind of found my tribe. Like I have a lot in common mm-hmm. with these people. I, I get this. Um, and that was what I felt for the business folks. Like, you know, it was, it was just like, the intensity and the seriousness and like I analytically like I want to do this I have a strategy I this is intentional um and that that was what I did I signed up for an MBA um and I I went into that program and it was kind of a general MBA um but I ended up concentrating on marketing um because I thought that related specifically to publishing like I think strategy and operations and all those kinds of things and management are important but when publishing is a button, it all comes down to marketing. Um, and like I look at marketing like like I don't think we're selling books. We're selling stories. Mm-hmm. Like we that's what we do. Like I don't think um, like Nike. Nike doesn't sell shoes. Nike sells athletic performance. Like it's kind of like what is we're providing a means to an end. So you have to kind of look at the end. Um, and I look at it like kind of a brand is kind of whatever service you're providing. It's the story that your the people who use it tell themselves about it and like how they experience it. Mm -hmm. And it's up to you. Like you can influence that. And that's what marketing is. Like, I think that it's kind of like how you do that. And since it's all stories and all storytelling and experience and emotion, like that was just kind of natural to me that like, that's what I was doing with the prodigal hour and meets girl. Like I was just going for that, feeling. Um, and so when I finished the MBA, the intention had always been that exciting press would become an official, like honest to goodness, legal entity. Um, and that's kind of what happened. I I think I finished in 2011, if I'm not mistaken, it was right around the same time. And, um, I talked to a lawyer out and like, and I went from the ground up, like, I was like, here's what I want to do. I don't want, um, copyright. Like copyrights are for authors. I, I don't want rights to authors' books. That's not for me. Um, I'll license them because I want to sell them digitally. I don't want to get involved in print because I'm not in a position where I want to go to a bookstore and like try to sell them on it. Mm-hmm. I don't have the capacity to print a thousand copies, like to to pay that and then hope that they sell. Um, I, I'm just not covered with that, um, and I don't want to be in a position where like you know if if inside the outside took off, well, and it, and it had obviously, but like I, I wouldn't want to have been in a position where it's like, 
okay, um, we want to make a movie of it. Well, you have to go talk to my publisher. Like, I don't want that role. Like, mm-hmm. I want that to be something that you talk about, or Nick talks about perfect, like whatever. Um, and, and I think that a lot of the the impetus behind that, like, I mean, I, I kind of get it. Like, corporations are part of conglomerates. Like, HarperCollins, it's owned by News Corp. Rupert Murdoch, like, it's all... There, there's revenue to consider. There's bottom lines, and like they can't leave things like that on the table. And maybe there's something to say for the synergy of it, because if a book gets picked up by HarperCollins, does that mean that there's a synergy there that 20th Century Fox has better access to it? Maybe. I don't know, but I, I know I'm not. You know what I mean? Right. So like it was kind of almost kind of understanding and accepting my own limitations for once and being <laughs> humble <laughs> enough like that that whole thing where like I'm not going to get good enough on my own. Like I, I those are things I don't want to do. And then looking at it in the sense of like, well, I'm, I'm a reader first. Like that feeling that you described of like, oh, thank God, I think I'm going to finish that book. Like I, I love that. And it was one of the first things I said about Inside the Outside was just like, wow, I can read this. I'm I'm not thinking about it. Like I'm not being critical. I don't have my editor. I'm not like I would have done this paragraph differently or I would have like gone here instead. Like to lose yourself, I think it's still like the purest form of it. And and then I'm an author. And you know, I had two books out by then. I had maybe a couple like random short stories and stuff like that. But looking at it from a sense of like, well, what do I want? Well, I get seventy percent from Amazon, so why wouldn't I do the same thing. Like, I don't want to get more. Like, they're doing most of the hard work for that 30%. So looking at it from that sense, and then like, you know, I don't want it for a lot of years. Like, authors sign up and it's like, here, you can have my copyright for as long as I'm alive. And then you can tie it up for my estate and stuff and, and errors. And like, okay, on one hand, that's great in that they're they're provided for and everything. But like, I mean, honestly, I'm of the kind of thing where like, I'm good for my stuff, and like when I die, I kind of want all my books just to be public domain and not get anything from them. And like my kids, I mean, hopefully I'll have provided for any hypothetical children in the future from my life, as opposed to like how like they didn't write it. Like <laughs> I, I wanted to go to the world. Um, so anyway, that was kind of like where I was going with it, and I had already kind of put that stuff in motion. I talked to a lawyer, like I can, I, I signed up with a law firm to kind of um, talk to them about like what I had in my head and how I could get that onto paper mm-hmm. and be an entity. And then also, you know, like I said, I, I've, I've seen those 45 page contracts and I didn't want that. Like I wanted something. And honestly, we can talk shop here. Like you've signed it. You've seen it. Like it's two pages, uh-huh. three pages, Two, one of which is just a signature page, and it's hopefully the most straightforward, common sense, like non-obfuscating, like just the clearest language possible <laughs> of here's what we're doing. But also like, you know, if it comes to a thing where for some reason it's not working out on someone's part, like, okay, it's a limited term, but like it's mutual because I don't want to do a business with somebody who doesn't want to do business with me. Like that's not what uh, – publishing at its best books at their best are that compact you know it's it's that equality on both sides like everyone has to want in on it mm-hmm. and if somebody doesn't want in like i don't want to like find somebody like that's just not what i'm about um so i i i talked to them and like kinda, i i mean honestly I, it's a bit of a soapbox but i'm going to tie this in here because i it stuns me when authors sign agreements with um, 
corporate publishers on the advice of, of agents who don't have backgrounds in business and or law because it's such a legally binding document and it does tie up all rights for X amount of years, like has repercussions long after death now because of copyright laws. And it, it just, I mean, it's terrifying to me that, and, and I'm glad to hear you say that there was some confidence that came from just seeing what I was doing and everything, because that's what I want. Like I want authors to have that confidence and to be empowered because we need to know what we have, what we're doing, all those kinds of things. Um, so yeah, I, I talked to a lawyer about that. Um, exciting. I, I think we're actually in exciting endeavors is our, is my like legal thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but exciting press is one of those because I mean, eventually I, I would like to get into like, um, production and, and maybe even games. I think there's a lot of really great stuff happening with like apps and games and, and storytelling and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, yeah, so as you were saying, um, that had been mostly in motion, but like, um, so his, uh, Nick's agent's name at Curtis Brown Australia is Pippa Masson or Masson, I think, um, who's fantastic. Um, just a terrific and, and so accessible and so like, um, you know, flexible, I guess is the best way to put it. Like just willing to work and, and figure out what's best for everybody involved and stuff. So great agent that I've had really good, um, experience with there. Uh, and so I, I talked to her and, and sent her over like the, I guess it was a draft of the agreement by that point. And like, we made some changes and I'm always, I, I mean, I think that that's something that has to be possible. Like, um, and something that I don't think happens with that boilerplate stuff. Like, I think a lot of agents are like, well, here's what, you know, Simon and Schuster, let's not, let's not hit Harper Collins every time. Like, <laughs> here's what Simon and Schuster is sending you and you have to sign this. Like, I, I think that there is room for negotiation and, you know, like, okay, this clause here doesn't make sense to me. Let's figure out how we can get to something that does and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I signed Nick and, um, perfect skin was one of the first was included in, I think it was a 14 book contract at that point. And it was most of his backlog and, um, several like short stories and novellas and, and stuff. And it was kind of more of a, you know, very limited term. I think it was five years and we'll see where it goes. Um, uh, we're coming up on five years now, actually. Um, and then I think it was, uh, I was talking to uh, you and Maya Cresson um, at about the same time. And I, I think um, that occurred the following year, if I'm not mistaken. And it's just kind of been continued. Like, um, I think at first I was concentrated mainly on more um, titles and content and, and everything. And I think we got into a good shape there. I mean, honestly, it's a um, basically two person operation. Like uh, Hannah, uh, my wife, Hannah Entrican, um, Bloom, uh, who I actually met at USC. She was in the same writing program. And I think that's kind of, she, she does editing basically mm -hmm. for exciting press. Um, and I mean, Nick doesn't require a lot of it because a lot of his stuff has been through editors and stuff like that. But I mean, she worked pretty closely with Maya and, and a couple other people. And, and, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been awesome. It's, I, I think, um, you know, Discovery and sales are always the challenge of it. Right. But I think that if, if you're looking at it and you're just going from a, a position of, uh, I really believe in what I'm writing and what I'm doing, um, I, I think that changes a lot of your outlook on metrics. Like, you know, it, it was great that excited, um, the product hour was 
was the number one book and everything. But like at the end of the day, it's just that I'm proud it's out there and people continue to sometimes find it. It gets reviews that trickle in once in a while. Um, some of which call it confusing, which hey, time travel, that's fine. Um, <laughs> but I, I mean, I think that's the thing that like, it kind of almost, um, I don't want to say it doesn't matter to me, but like, like I have a day job. Um, I think most of the authors I work with have a day job. I, I think you have a day job, right? You, Absolutely. You, yeah. You have it. Yeah. And it's like, so I I hear about like all the indie author success stories I hear are a authors who have sold a ton of books, which is great, and b authors who have sold enough books that they gave up their day jobs, which is also great. I think that's a, a fine thing to do. Um, but I I for me like I wouldn't want to give up my day job because it's where my security comes from, and it means I don't have to rely on my writing, mm-hmm. so I can just write what I want. Like I don't have to worry about how well a book sells or doesn't sell because I've got income. Like I can just put out what I like to put out and what I want to put out. So, yeah, yeah, that's, and, that's and, kind of where I fall on things. And an exciting press for, uh, for me. It's 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 almost it's a, it's it's sort of a perfect metaphor for the the writing careers that you and I have both talked about because we're both very much I think on the same wavelength in terms of our, we both see our writing careers in terms of focusing on on the long game and there's. Um, like one thing yep. that I've seen, and 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 I, I, I by by no stretch would I disparage an author who write who who publishes constantly, but there are authors, particularly indie authors, who publish, you know, five, six, seven, ten times a year, almost 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 like a monthly subscription. But they have a new book coming out, partly to feed what you were talking about, which is they they need to publish that much in order to mm-hmm. to have enough content to kind of generate you know income, which is awesome if you can do it, um, and. Uh, and so a couple a couple things that I, that I wouldn't like about that for myself, and again, if there's an author doing that and you're doing it successfully, keep doing it because partly I, I couldn't do it even even if I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> but I know for me, like uh, in order to 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 write the stories that I want to write uh, of the quality that I want them to be at, I I couldn't publish once a year, let alone once a month, if I was going to put mm-hmm. out the work that I could that I could be proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, but but then beyond that, when when the work is ready, very much like you know when I finished Inside the Outside, and then it, I I didn't know how to put in the world because nobody seemed to to want it. Um, uh, my my dealings with 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 you and Exciting Press, it, it, they've been just uh, wonderful. Actually, let me let me get back to the, the the point that I was building up to and already digressed, which is and and you described it, which is Exciting Press. It's this really wonderful collection of wonderful authors and the fact that it exists the fact that there's this this home called exciting press and that there's these authors who exist under under that umbrella and that that it, that it will be there for you know virtually for as long as the internet exists you know these will now be there and and maybe one day it'll catch fire and everybody will find it but even if they don't it's still going to be there and these books will still exist and you've created a certain sensibility with like you know nick girls uh it tells sort of a, a very much uh what would you call it sort of um kind of an everyday sort of slice of life tells sure. stories about people Absolutely. Slice of life. maya very much is uh you know gets into you know like you know fantasy yep. um I, I i think sort of by default i kind of feel a certain uh horror uh niche for you um uh jim brown <laughs> who i'm gonna get to in a second um uh, he again sort of, go ahead please I was just to say at the same time though, like I think one of the things we have in common, all of us, is what we were talking about earlier, how like, you know, Prodigal Hour doesn't really feel like sci fi even though it has time travel. And like 
Maya is right. Like, I mean, it's epic, erotic romance fantasy, but it doesn't feel like those things because of the way she handles it. And like Nick is like kind of that Nick Hornby esque mm-hmm. lad lit whatever, but not really because he's got like it's kind. It, it's it's almost like it's a skewing, like it's setting up expectations for one particular genre and then just not handling it that way, like not going for those tropes and not going for those kinds of. I mean, and and like you know, I I, I think um, I, I think a lot of people can produce like you're saying like a book a year, more than that, a book every few months, and um, you know the quality is there. Like I I, I don't think that that, but like I think if you're doing unexpected things, like it can kind of take a while, and and sometimes it's even that it takes a while to surprise yourself. Uh-huh. Like it takes me forever. For me to be to a point where you're saying like, you know, you get to that zone, you get to that trance, like sometimes it takes me a long time to get there. And that's partly the the day job thing. And like maybe if I didn't have a day job and I was writing more, um, like it would occur more easily or I'd come to it more frequently, whatever. Um, but I mean, that's all hypothetical. Like I, I think so. That, I mean, I think if there is a sensibility, like it feels like that would kind of be it that like, you know, um, Kurt Wenzel and, and Lit Life is is kind of like that Manhattan writer slice of life, but it kind of plays with that too. It's a little skewed sideways and everything. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and I agree with everything you said. And 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 beyond that, the, the what's really great about Exciting Press is that uh, I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, you talked about you know that it, that it is it's it's from uh, from 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 the ground up. It is a it, it it's a legit you know, publishing press, like you've done it, you've done it the right way. And yet it's so refreshingly easy. Right. So like, so like when you, when you first approached me about, uh, when you're working, uh, working with you with exciting press, um, it was, uh, in my memory it was right around 2012, maybe summer ish. And, um, and I loved the idea of, of working with you. Um, but I also, I didn't, I didn't have anything. I was, I think I was working on what would become my, my vampire trilogy. Yeah. But I didn't have anything, and so, um, and I don't, I don't, know, I don't know if you specifically said, well, you know, if you, if there's any, if you have short stories or whatever, but, but at any rate, I think I went and dug through my hard drive. It's like I know I've got some yeah. shit that I'm just sitting on, and, <laughs> uh, and so I found some stories, and I, I kind of like sifted through, like, well, what would I not be embarrassed to show them? And <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, though. And, what, what are we not embarrassed to publish? <laughs> and then uh, you know, kind of like dusted them off, and you know, spit on their cheek and clean them up a little bit, and comb their hair, and okay, now go visit your uncle Will, and you know, we'll see, uh, how, we'll, we'll see what he says. Clip their bow tie on. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so uh, and, and, it, and it was just like it was just it was just such a refreshingly easy process. And on the one hand, I mean, we had a friendship going into it. But even still, it was just a really refreshingly easy. I go, well, here's here's some stories. I mean, you know, these these are things that uh, that I'm not embarrassed to show you, and they're yours if you want them. And you were like, cool, I'll I'll, I'll take the ears. Uh, uh, here's here's some some contracts to, so that way everything's on the up and up. And and it, yeah. and you talked about the contracts earlier, and they really are like deceptively simple contracts. Like it was so simple. And, and the thing is, it's like just simple. They're not, they're, they're not deceptive. I know. I know. And, and, like, and, the <laughs> only- and, and they have been like, there have been, um, there have been a couple authors that like, I mean, I picked up such a backlog for a while that like, um, I went down a path with a couple authors and, and like, um, I had a lot of personal stuff this past year. Like, um, and I don't know if, if even you know this, but like I lost actually both my parents this year. Mm. Um, so like I've been so, wrapped up in things that aren't publishing and, and aren't even writing that um 
you know, I haven't been as able to focus on, on a couple of things as, as I've wanted. So right. um, there have been a couple of situations where, you know, but at the same time, it, it just goes back to that whole, like, you know, it, it is meant to be um, good. And it's meant to be like, hey, this isn't working out. And when it's not working out, like, it's not meant to be a hard breakup. You know, it's just meant to be like, okay, you go your way. It's like, well, you know, that's no hard feelings, you know? Yeah. And and so you – so the, the – um... And I actually forgot that uh, that you know we I we signed uh, contracts for six stores. I, I honestly forgot yeah. until you reminded me recently. Um, but so, but the the first three you, well the very first one that you published was Footsteps. Uh, yep. The second one I think was Peppermint Breath. Um, yes, and then it was. I think the third one was The Plan. And yep. um, and and uh, and they were well received, and it was this really wonderful. Well, I mean, well, The Plan has gotten mixed reviews partly because it's it's short, and that seems to be the biggest complaint from yeah. a reviewer. It's micro. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think that was uh, uh, partly a strategy thing too. I mean, I, I think at the time um, the the single form was doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually since kind of noticed different trends and have been rethinking that. Um, and I, I think that like kind of um, short collections, like, you know, four, six stories, stuff like that. Like, I mean, Amazon sets the thing where like, if you price your book at 99 cents, you get 35 cents, but once you, so it's, which is 35%. Mm-hmm. But once you hit $3, you get to 70% and you get 70% royalties until you hit $10. Mm-hmm. And once you hit there, you go back to 35 and it's pretty, I mean, I think that's telling, um, you know, Amazon's kind of like the, the, they know those prices work. Like they are, um, they have the, the data and evidence to back that up. They may not share it with people, right. um, but I mean, they're not obligated to. The, the fact that they're doing so and it's proprietary, I mean, I, I can't fault them for that. I mean, they're, that's kind of a business thing to be holding. Um, but I mean, I, I, so I think that's kind of part of it. Yeah, and, and also just really, really, really quickly, um, uh, you're right, there's nothing deceptive about the contracts, um, but, but it's because it was so simple, it, it was almost like, if Will wasn't already my friend, I might be suspicious of how simple this, <laughs> this contract is. Um, awesome. But it, but it really was just extremely straightforward. I mean, it was it was almost as simple as like, hey, Martin, so here's the book. So um, I'll publish it digitally for five years. If you're cool with that, sign here. And it was almost like just like that. It's like, oh, am I? Uh, okay. Well, I know Will's cool. He's not trying to get away with something. But boy, this is easy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, so, you just feel that way. Yeah, and, 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 and yeah, and and so then and then consequently, you know, um, uh, it's it's and, and and I love that it's that easy, and and I love that um, you are able to do that with exciting press because of uh, you know digital publishing and because of how um, yep. accessible publishing has become because because it, it was because of close. Amazon. Let's be honest. Too. Yeah, let's and yeah, that credit where due. Amazon's absolutely the, the the definitely one of the heroes of this yeah. story when it comes to you know actually getting this stuff out into into the world and um and so uh, and so until like literally maybe like uh, I think we were texting each other a week and a half maybe two weeks ago and I just I I completely forgotten that you had three more of my stories. And, uh, yep. and and by the way, I I, I did know about your parents, and, and I and I feel oh. so terrible, and I'm so yeah. I know Thank that's you. not what the episode's about, but I definitely do want to make sure that I, I I take a moment to tell you in person like this that uh, my 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 heart absolutely broke for you when when I learned about your parents. 
and uh, and it's I, been tough. And and I don't in, and in I, several areas. Yeah, and I don't blame you at all for you know say writing or publishing you know taking a back seat because obviously yeah. I mean uh, to to you know to to lose one parent at all but to lose two parents inside such such a short window it's just you know crazy. Well, and, and I think um, I mean I do kind of have friendly relationships with all the authors I've been working with. So, I mean, I, and that's the other thing that's been great. Like, you know, like you said, there are still three stories that, you know, are in our log and, and we know that they need to get out there and everything, but like, um, and, and that's, there, there are other authors with whom I have a couple of books that like, yeah, they're in the log and, and we're aware that, that they're going to go out and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, life happens. And, and the funny thing is like, I, I, <laughs> I feel like uh, I, I almost feel like I'm friends with the other authors, even though like, I don't really know. Well, them. you're friends with Jan, Jim, J- and Jim you're friends sure. with Emma as well, who who we have signed, and she's working diligently on on uh, on her on her stuff. I yeah. mean, she just has been killing it lately. Oh, she's so, amazing, Emma Arnold. Yeah, she's fantastic, Jim, Emma course. Arnold. For anyone, yeah, she's a stand-up comedian who is is phenomenal. And uh, and, and actually, you know, well, I, I'm gonna. Uh, Jim specifically, I want to talk about. In fact, I'll talk about him in just a second because I, um, it's it's just another example of of, of why I love um, exciting press and indie publishing, and I, and I love what you're doing. Um, so we were, so you and I, we were, you know, we were just, you know, just texting a just a week or two ago, or maybe a few weeks ago, and um, I'd written a short story, and I hadn't written a short story in in years, and kind of similar to yourself, I don't think of myself as a as a short story writer. But I, um, I, I'm currently working on on a on a novel, and I'd sort of, I, um, for there there was a few weeks where it just wasn't coming as it wasn't coming as fluidly as I wanted it to, so mm-hmm. I kind of I, I put it on the back burner because I didn't want to force it. I didn't want it to feel like a chore. I just figured I'll just come to it when I when it when I feel like it's ready to be worked on again. But in the meantime, I wasn't writing, which made me feel like I don't want to just, you know, you know, not not write anything. And so right around the same time, um, I was, I was a, a, I had another writer friend of mine on the podcast. His name is Ben Eads, and he was telling me that he was going to be editing this uh, horror anthology for Crystal Lake Publishing and that, uh, but, you know, I should consider submitting something. And and I was just kind of in my head, like, thinking, like, that's really cool, but I don't do short stories. I don't even have an idea if I wanted to. <laughs> but that's a very nice that's a very nice, uh, you know, just for, just for you to, to extend my way. But then a couple of days later, I was still thinking about it. And I was like, well, I, I'm not doing this other thing. And I mean, what could it hurt to to try something? So then I was like, well, what what would I write at all if I was going to write a short story? And I came up with the, this sort of, um, I came up with the, the this horror story, this um, sort of uh, very creepy, just went into the, the, the darkest, deepest places that I don't, that I probably haven't gone that deep since inside the outside. Um, and uh, essentially it was sort of this first person story of a, of a serial serial killer. And he's, you know, sort of mm. kind of, kind of, kind of a, an evening in the life of, and, mm-hmm. um, and I, and I wrote it and then it was done. I, I, I think I, it was relatively short, maybe 2000 words, but I was very happy with mm-hmm. it. I was like, well, that was fun. I haven't done that in a while. <laughs> now what I would, what do I do with this though? So I'm like thinking like I mean I'll submit it to the to this anthology, but I mean it doesn't mean they're going to take it. And then if they don't, mm-hmm. now I've just got this story that I enjoyed writing. And so then, so then I I think I I texted you and I was like, hey dude, so I wrote this story and I'm going to submit it to this place. But if they don't want it, I really have nothing to do with it because I don't publish short stories. So you know, it's yours if you want it. 
And, uh, and, and I love that, you know, without even reading it, you were like, yeah, I'll take it. And I'm like, this is so sure. wonderful. Like, I love that. <laughs> I love that I have this exciting with this, this exciting, this relationship with, with both Will and exciting press that I can be like, Hey man, you want a story? And you're like, sure. And, yeah. And you're like, you well, I mean, yeah, go ahead. I, I think that that submission thing, like, I mean, I, I think that, um, at its best, it, it works when it's more that kind of referral kind of thing where like, it is just people doing awesome things as opposed to, um, you know, the, the, the power imbalance, I think that is inherent in like, you know, submitting a novel to agents or editors or stuff like that. Um, because I don't want to disparage the, the process too much. Like, I think that, um, you know, we all care about books. We all care about stories. We all want great things to come out. Um, but I, I think that, you know, like we're saying, like, I think this smaller stuff just makes a world of difference to what ultimately comes out of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And and so what it's what it's actually ended up turning into, and and you and I have talked about this a little bit uh, privately. I talked a bit a little bit about it on the podcast recently, but um, w- one thing that I never planned on doing, I never had any intention ever, ever, not once, not even for a minute, ever plan on writing a short story collection because like it's it's not what I do. Other authors do it, and they do it far better than I could, and I wouldn't even want to embarrass the genre by attempting to do something that I'm not that that I don't really do. But then um, I wrote this story, and I was like, "This is real. I'm so happy with this. I, I want this to be in the world." And then I told you about it. Then that, I think that was about the time you were, you reminded me that there was three more stories. Like, oh, I forgot about that. There are three yeah. more stories. And so then I was like, <laughs> well, "That's six. And I just wrote seven. And then I had this other sort of inside the outside short story that I that I was working. I was like, "That's technically eight. And then just sort yeah. of without realizing, it's like I think I think I think there's sort of a collection. That's a collection. And yeah. I asked you, I was like, how long, how many stories do we need for a collection? And you you said eight because you knew exactly what I was getting at. And, and, so, <laughs> and so I was like, well, that's fine. But in my but like you know, I'm thinking, well, I want this if I'm going to do this, I want it to be sort of a yeah. You know, I want it to I want I, I always think of the physical copy. I want somebody to be able to hold it and feel like like a like like a book. So I mm-hmm. did the math. I gave myself sort of a semi arbitrary number of like sixty five thousand words. And then mm-hmm. kind of broke down, like I did the word count on the other stories, and so how much more writing would I have to do? I went back into the into the hard drive to find if there was anything worth salvaging and dusting off and, and cleaning up, and I found a few things. Uh, and then I figured out that I could write a few new things. And then just just it was the most organic, uh, yep. unplanned thing of like I now find myself working on a short story collection, and it's the most I haven't been this exciting excited about writing in um in a long time and i and i i'm i'm in the middle awesome. of working on a short story right now and uh and i've i've written i've written a uh two new short stories you know for this collection and um and one of the things that i'm excited about and 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 and, and i know we, we we've kind of talked about it but we've we've not had a chance to talk about it like this but one of the things that i'm excited to do is to collaborate with you know, basically, you know, have a, a, a collaboration of Cannibal Press, which is my press, with Exciting Press, and and you're going to do the the digital end, and I'm going to do the, mm-hmm. the print end, and I get That's excited awesome. just thinking about just the the just the like I don't even know what the potential is, but like you know, yeah. but like I know what you've done on your end, and I know what I've done on my end, and you know, if we if we both are now invested in the same book. How much Which more? Would be huge, could, you know, and I <laughs> and I get so excited. Like every day, I really like. I was, I was, you know, a few weeks ago, I was writing uh, one of the new stories for it, and uh, I was in the middle of the story, uh, writing the story, and I was at uh, the movies, which now we were watching the new Star Trek movie, and it was, and it was, like, I couldn't even. 
I was so excited. Like I could barely watch the movie because I kept daydreaming about this door that I wanted to get back to, to writing. <laughs> and so that's an awesome feeling. Yeah, and so, and so that's where I'm at right now. And I and I can't wait for the collection to be done, and so I can uh, send it off to 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 you. And so you can. I mean, most of the stories you've already read because you already have them. I can't wait for you to read the the new stories because it's it's again. I it's can't that, wait. It's that it's that gut feeling I had with with inside the outside, which is you know I know I'm the only person in the world who's seen this right now, but this feels really good. I, I feel like and, yeah. and and the other thing too is like I'm going into it with the with the certain definitely with um with with uh with the measured sense of what it can be because I I, I don't know how well short story collections do, but like. I very much in the spirit of what you talked about with with exciting press. I kind of don't care. I just want this to be in the world because I'm so excited about it. And whoever finds it will find it. And I trust that they'll, they'll be excited about it. And again, it's because exciting press exists. And it's because you and I have a, a friendship that, that we can, we can, we, we can do this. And I just fucking just love thinking about it. It's rad. <laughs> Uh, and, and actually, beyond <laughs> that too, beyond, and, and very much connected to this is is how uh, is how you ended up um, signing uh, James Brown. You know, Jim Brown, our, our mutual Jim, friend. Yeah, which was um, it, it happened where so so I've known Jim since two thousand and two, I believe. Is he was my he was a creative writing professor at Cal State San Bernardino, and very much a mentor of mine. Very much, he's he's the guy who I very much credit with uh, teaching me how to write and tell stories and sort of whatever. Whatever potential that I might have brought to the table, he was the one that sort of taught me what to do with it, and um, and so I've always um, I've, I've always appreciated that. I've even I've, I've given him credit to his face more than once. He refuses to take it, but I give it to him every time. <laughs> and, of course he does, because he's like that. <laughs> he's a good guy. <laughs> he's, a, he's, he's he's the best. And so um, at the time, I was um, I was still an English professor at, uh, at and and uh, and I used his book, The Los Angeles Diaries. I used all the time in my in my English classes. Great book. And and I and you know and it was always so exciting to like introduce this book to a class of students, many of whom didn't read, assumed that they didn't like reading, and I essentially kind of threw down the gauntlet. It's like I accept that you don't like reading. But I also think that you're going to be surprised at what this book unlocks yep. in you. And I've and I, so many of my students were like, "This was amazing. What else should I read? Tell me something else." Because they've realized that there's books like this out there. And then, and what I would do whenever he was available is I would invite him to to speak to the stu- after we finished the book. I'd invite him down, talk to the students. They were always really excited because at that point they'd read the book. We'd had discussions about it. They'd written about it. So by the time they met him, he'd become almost like this mythical figure, you know, inside the classroom. So when they met him, it was always very, very cool. So the last time I had the opportunity to to do that with him, uh, he was talk. We were talking about um, uh, he had just recently gotten the the rights back to this uh, to some of his uh, older books, and mm-hmm. but he's but he was like, I, but I don't really know what to do with them. Like I, I uh, and so I said, you know, I my buddy Will, he's got this digital press, and I can't I I, I can't imagine he wouldn't like uh, your writing. And so uh, if you like, you know, I, I could talk to him for you. And he's like, yeah, that, I, I'd appreciate that. And so then I, I I talked to you and I was like, hey, I've got you know, a friend of mine. He's this really great writer. If you, he's, he's got these books and he, you know, he'd like them to be eBooks, but he doesn't know how to go about it. Would you be interested? And, and, it, and it kind of went from there. And so, and then you guys, um, I, don't, I don't even know exactly what happened after that, but I know you guys hooked up and you talked and you eventually... 
uh, published some of his work. And, and like, even the fact that that, that happened is mm-hmm. so awesome. And it's so, it's so awesome that we can do that. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember the first, I think he wrote to me after, I think you and I had spoken and you mentioned him to me and then, and then he sent me a subsequent email. And I think, um, I think I read the first few pages of Lucky Town mm-hmm. and I was just like, yeah, this is a guy I want to work with. <laughs> like, I, I mean, his, um, there's like a, his fiction is guttural and like visceral, like it's right there. Mm-hmm. And so just like, um, powerful really. And, uh, and then I read a couple of his short stories and like, they're like Carver esque, yeah. like he's just got that sensibility of it. And, um, you know, just, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you, the thing I feel worst about um, working with Jim is that um, he only had hard copies of everything. Right. And so I had to destroy some books to actually be able to publish them. Like I had a copy of Going Fast from like, I mean, it had to have been from the late 70s and mm-hmm. it was like a trade paperback. And it was, I mean, it was, it was kind of like a publishing artifact. And I, <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest with you. I have no like qualms. Like I'm unsentimental about like, I actually, the, the way, um, when I only have physical stuff to work from, um, I have a miter saw in my workroom and I put the, the spine on the saw and I, I bring it down and then I, I run it through the little, like I have a like a little scanner thing that does it automatically and stuff. So it scans into a word file or whatever. And, and I'll bring it down the arm on some books, man. It's, it's, it's it's the only thing I I vaguely lament sometimes as a digital <laughs> publisher. I'm like, oh, I have to destroy this. But uh, no, he's he's been great to work with, and and his books are are fantastic. So uh, and and again, like in a, another author that there, I think we still have at least two. I want to say um, that are that are in the mill, and and that um, you know we're getting ready to go. Like um, this summer has been um, so. Nick came to me, um, I think mid last year, um, with some novellas that like, you know, people don't generally do publishers aren't all about or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like a hundred pages each. Um, so like you're saying like to your point about like what, what's, you know, it's 65,000 words was, was in your head and stuff. Um, you know, there were publishers that were like, ah, this is not really what we do. And so he ended up working with, I think I want to say their name is Increment and Blount. Um, in Australia and doing um, ebooks with them, and then gave me digital rights everywhere else, basically. And so we've been doing one novella per month. Um, he calls it the Wisdom Tree series. Um, so we actually have the final one scheduled for um, next Thursday. Oh, and wow. um, it's just been, I mean, they're, they, they clock in at about 150 ish pages. Um, when they're in print, but the print, they're like, um, and, and, and Inkerman and Blount did something brilliant with them, like, that they're basically like those old pulp, like back pocket paperbacks. Like they're that format, that size, they're like perfect for travel. Um, they did five of them. So like, I mean, they, they did a really good job packaging it and everything. And, um, so I, I, um, you know, I gave it a different cover design and stuff like that but um so it's just a really really cool project and i and i mean you know i mean nick's big challenge is like you, you know it's it's like spinal tap got huge in japan at the end of that movie like he's big in australia like he's he's a bestseller over there and, and like you know um i think he's been doing writers festivals for the past like month and a half and just never caught on 
elsewhere. And, mm. and we've been continuing to try to, but I mean, it, it's a similar sort of thing as with Jim, like, um, you know, just, just great fiction. And I, like, I, I just kind of keep putting out what we're, what we're doing well, um, and, and sticking to that and, and hoping that, that it, it catches off basically. So, um, you know, once, once we get through that log and, and, uh, we finish up with the wisdom tree stuff, I mean, there's a lot of exciting press stuff coming down the pike. So, um, really good times and it, it's, it's, uh, good to focus on. So that's always been good. Yeah. And, and again, like selfishly, like I love the fact that I get to, to work with you and exciting press and that, you know, like I can. Like I, I love. Dude, I'm no- working with all my favorite authors. What do you mean selfishly? <laughs> Are you kidding? I got to read all of Nick's books straight away. Like they came to me first. <laughs> Which is pretty amazing. That, that, that's, selfishly. That's, <laughs> <laughs> but I do like. I, I love knowing that we have that relationship where yeah. I, I can write something, and you know, like I know there's a home for it, and like that's yeah. Especially when I was before we met and before I published uh, Inside the Outside, there was always that sort of. It was definitely there was this 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 angst, this anxiety of like writing a story and just that feeling of like, what's going to happen to it? Is it going to get past? Yeah. Does anybody want it? Will it see the light of day? Is this just going to live on my computer? Yeah. To now, being able to write and know it's going to find its way out into the world, it's my it's the best. Well, and let's be honest too, though. I mean, exciting press is awesome, and, and we're certainly having a lot of fun and, and doing great things and everything. But like, even if we weren't there, like. Everything has a place now. Like you mm-hmm. can go to Amazon. Um, if you have a Mac, you can upload directly to the iBook store. Like there is no digital retailer now that like. I mean, it used to be you had to get ISBNs, you had to go to Balker, you had to go to all those places. Right. Like you can literally make any. Like so, I, I've been using. Um, I don't know how you you make your eBooks and stuff like that, but I, I found a software called Vellum because I was I was hand rolling code before, like I was opening up Dreamweaver and making like HTML and all that kind of stuff. It was a pain in the butt. That's <laughs> partially what took so long. Um, but I found this this eBook software called Vellum that's that's fantastic, and it just makes you know it's 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 almost a word processor. Um, it it looks like you can get a preview, so you see what it looks like. It does like you know the ornate stuff at the beginning, which I was never able to do because that was beyond HTML, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I mean, that's, everything is so accessible now that like you can write in word, you can code it by HTML, you can upload it wherever Kobo who like it, there, it, it, exciting press is not necessary for getting stuff out in the world. Let's put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, I mean, I think that's phenomenal. Like, I mean, I think that, um, for me, I think it, it adds a layer to it and hopefully a frictionless layer that's just like adds to the experience of that that like it does add a value that like we're having fun we're doing great stuff like it does help to have that network you know and and you know like the the whole you can tell a lot about people by the company they keep like all that kind of stuff like that is inherent to it so i think it does add to that sometimes that's more adding to our end though like it's Mm -hmm. not something that readers care all that much about like exciting press means as much to them as Simon and Schuster does like it doesn't <laughs> right. mean anything. Nobody looks at a publisher, you know. So um, I mean, I, I think it's it's phenomenal that people can create things and, and get things out there. And I, I mean, I think that's that's the case through across all media now. That like it's so much there's so much less friction to getting stuff out in the world that like you can just upload on YouTube or you can upload on a on a website or you can you know do SoundCloud like whatever. And I think that's phenomenal. Like I, I think. Um, it's a, I don't anticipate it changing. Um, I, I think it has changed and I think that's 
awesome, and I, I can't wait to see where, like, how it, how digital and the internet um, affects the literature of our culture um, down the line. I, I, I'm so interested in seeing like where things go. Like when eleven, I mean, Apple is literally teaching eleven-year-olds how to code apps. <laughs> like, I don't know how to code apps. Like, that's insane to me. And it, it's like so intuitive and straightforward. Like, it's like working in a sandbox. The Verge had a great like review of it and kind of like walkthrough and stuff. Um, but it, it's just so empowering. And and I think that that to me is everything that like we're so moving away from can I do this? Mm -hmm. Like needing permission and needing validation and all those things. We're so moving away from that. And I think that's like the best possible thing in the world that like we can get to a place where, where we can say, um, you know, I did this. Um, and, and I think it's awesome. Like, or this is just really cool. And I want to share it like, however the thought is, but like, and then putting it out there and then like, you know, I think we are like as authors, we're our own worst judges of the quality of our books. Um, and I think that you know there are, there are readers that are going to find stuff that like you know like you found insomnia. Like maybe Stephen King doesn't like it, but some reader does. Like mm -hmm. it's sometimes it's not up to us. And you know if I, I think that the more readers have, the more the more audiences have, the better. And I think that um, it creates a. a organic discovery that that's phenomenal absolutely and, and i yeah. feel like we we've sort of uh this is a good place to talk about the uh, the topic that we threatened to talk about about uh, two hours ago which is uh, <laughs> uh self-publishing versus indie publishing i realize we oh, didn't actually uh, get into that and, and i and we might have uh, i'm not publishing myself i am not putting my body out <laughs> publishing books we are publishing stories we're not publishing ourselves <laughs> sorry that we could start there <laughs> yeah we, we, we can definitely start there and and like i suspect because we we uh, we both have a i, I think a, a disdain for the term self-publishing but i i I kind of assume that it might be for different reasons. For me, it's uh, I. Um, there's a couple of reasons that I, that I don't like the term self-publishing, but a big part of it is 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 the um, the uh, I, I guess the the sort of the the the, the semiotics involved. That what what was invested into this term, which was ultimately self-publishing, is for writers who weren't weren't good enough. Self-publishing is for the authors who aren't serious, yeah. and that uh, and that and that that that. Um, that that ethos was so much invested in that term self-publishing that um that for me there's there's kind of no going back and and so i don't like the way i i don't like the way that i feel when i think about i, I don't i don't like the way the, that the term makes me feel because I, I i don't because it's you know, disempowering yeah absolutely it's exactly the opposite of what we were just talking about yep. and, and so indie publishing or being an indie author or an independent publisher it's it's sort of going in that direction of you know we we can invest what we're doing now into this other term that feels much better and more accurate, more pure that we're publishers publishing independently of, you know, the, uh, the, the corporate publishers. And that, that's kind of sort of where I'm coming from, but what, what are, what are your thoughts and where does your, your feelings of it come? Uh, come no, from? I mean, it's the same kind of thing. Like, I mean, I think that anytime you add a modifier to so, so in the in the phrase self-publishing, self is the adjective that modifies publishing. So anytime you're adding a publisher to it or adding the modifier to it, you're kind of making it that that word is the default. So publishing becomes the default. But now you need to to modify it, and 
when you say publishing, like because of the industry that grew out of like the 80s and Barnes and Noble, publishing is agents and editors or, or what? And I think that necessarily self-publishing makes that other. Like it, and and I think to your point, like um, I, I absolutely agree with you that uh, I think I look at it as a term that was invented by agents, editors, corporate publishing, etc., mm-hmm. to identify that which they want regarded as not good enough or not of the same quality as what they're publishing. Meanwhile, they're publishing Snooky and Fifty Shades <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And like I think that um, I mean I, I think it's all just publishing and that like the paroxysms to which they kind of put themselves through to maintain that. And, and it's partly that, but it's also partly trying to maintain that control because let's be honest, as empowering as this is and as, and as confident as we're getting, they kind of don't want that. Like every time you see an article that's like, these are why it was good for me to get 500 rejections as an author <laughs> right. or this, you have to develop a thick skin. You have to like, um, be ready for like all those kinds of things I think are so contrary and so disempowering to the act of creation in itself and, and creators. And, and I think it kind of helps, those who would want that maintained to maintain it. Because I mean, if you look at it, like, like I, I think of Dave Eggers um, who published, uh, I think Random House at the time, I think it was Vintage, which has since become Random House, which is another, like, I mean, there are four publishers now, five maybe, mm-hmm. but like, and it didn't used to be like that. Like in the eighties, nineties, there were a hundred, there were 200, like there were hundreds of them. And like they've all become like you know Saint Martin's was a big one, and they're I think I want to say Simon and Schuster now maybe who knows, mm-hmm. but like you know it used to be Penguin was had a and now they're Penguin Random House, and I'm pretty sure Vintage is a Random House, but like you know you hear about like Alfred Knopf and Ferrar Strauss FSG Ferrar Strauss Gerard I think something like but like mm-hmm. they get imprints but they're still the corporation you know. And I think it's just kind of a thing that maintains that otherness. But like Eggers, um, heartbreaking work of staggering genius was shortlisted for the Pulitzer. Um, I don't think it got it that year, but it was like that memoir. I mean, it was huge in like the late 90s, I want to say. And then he founded McSweeney's. And McSweeney's, like, er I I think every novel up until his most recent one, but like, you shall know our velocity. What is the what? The tune. Like, they're all published by McSweeney's. Like those, that's who published his books, which he happened to found. I mean, yes, McSweeney's is publishing other places too. But like, I, I mean, I think that's the thing that like where this space is where all of the innovation and excitement is happening. And I think that, um, you know, I, I yeah, I, I definitely prefer uh, indie author or indie publishing. Um, and, you know, you'll get that shrill, but like indie pub, publishing means this and bubble and it really it doesn't like it's when you think of like places like um grove press um or like algonquin that are not new york they're like they are um you know tin house like they are the smaller players and everything Mm -hmm. but they still operate with the same model they're still doing the same contracts they're still it's you know always a, a very similar business model and i think that kind of um it it 
contributes to this staidness of um, just function. Like that's just how things have always been done. Um, and, and not to say that good books don't still come from that world, right. um, but good books come from all worlds. And like, I think there's also been this thing of like, well, self-publishing is viable. Like you can make money from it, um, but it still doesn't have the validation or self-publishing is viable, but like there's a glut of content and it's so hard to find the good stuff, but like there's a glut of content in general. Mm -hmm. Like there, there is, um, you know, yes, there are, there are not great books that are published by authors who have gone straight to Amazon. Absolutely. But there are not great books that have been published by Simon and Schuster. Like, the 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 argument that one is a guarantor of quality while the other is not, which I think is what the terms are setting up. Um, I th I think it's just totally unfounded and un um, not just unfounded, but like unjustified uh, and can't go away fast enough. And I think we're getting there. Like mm -hmm. I think um, I, I've actually so it used to be that like the indie author success stories were. Um, the A, the authors who sold a whole lot of books, but let's not talk about how good they actually are, <laughs> um, and B, um, sold them as like an entree to getting that corporate contract. Like people only self-publish because they weren't good enough to get the contract, but once they sold enough and got the attention, then you know, then it was like legit or whatever. Right. Um, I don't know that I've seen that sort of narrative over the past, I want to say, year and a half, two years. Um, I mean, I, I think the most recent like breakout would be Andy Weir and the Martian and everything, mm -hmm. um, which a great movie. Um, the book kind of wasn't to my taste. I mean, I, it was kind of partly the voice. Like I just, um, the narrator didn't work for me. Um, but I, I mean, obviously exceptional, but it, even, even though it wasn't for me, it's one of those things where like, and, and I mean, this is a broader quality question, but like, even though it wasn't for me, I still knew that he was writing well and achieving the effect he wanted. And right. it's kind of like the same thing. Like I look at like Tim Burton, like I don't like Tim Burton. I know he's a genius. I know he's making really cool stuff and has like an artistic sensibility. And um, like he's doing with pretty much any movie he makes the same thing I'm trying to do with exciting press, which is put out something that he's proud of and stands behind and really believes in. And I may not dig that sensibility, but like, I know that it's there, you mm -hmm. know, and like, I know a lot of people love it. And, and I mean, I think that, you know, any, anytime I think the idea of quality comes up, like there's a, the, the whole, like, well, it's subjective and what you like is not what I like and blah, blah, blah. And, and I think that's fine itself. But I also think that partly that's because I think people are hesitant to acknowledge that sometimes what they like isn't great. Like I'm a huge Bon Jovi fan. I know Bon Jovi is not like the greatest musician in the world. Like I know the music's not phenomenal. Like same thing with like, you know, all those kinds of things. Like I know Axl Rose is not Beethoven. Like <laughs> I, I know that there's a, a difference of quality in the, and like that's not to take anything away from that. It's just a matter of like you can like bad things. You cannot like great things. Like I don't think that um, – I, I think there needs to be – be more discussion about that kind of thing. Um, and that like, it's not just all about how many, um, how many copies are sold or how many reviews are gotten or all, all those kinds of, and, and also that's not to say that like, you know, 
a book that's universally acknowledged as good um, has to be liked by everyone. Like, mm -hmm. um, like I love The Great Gatsby. Like, it's pretty much my favorite novel. I know there are a lot of people who don't like Fitzgerald, who don't like Gatsby at all. Um, I, I don't think that takes away from what Fitzgerald achieved with Gatsby. Um, and I don't think they need to like it. Like, I think that that's why restaurants have nine different things on the entree menu, because it's probably an amazing pork tenderloin, but I don't like pork. Like, I want the filet. I want the beef. Like, that's just how I am. So I, I think that once like if we could just get there where there was more comfort of discussing that as opposed to like people saying this is a great book well i didn't like it or uh, the, the 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 converse of like well it's not really a good book even if a whole bunch of people bought a lot of copies of it and like the audience kind of find that personally insulting like once they kind of once that divorce i guess is made i mean it comes up with like 50 shades like objectively it's a pretty bad book like it's awfully written that doesn't mean that a lot of people are wrong for liking it like that's fine it's just not a great book like that's okay um so yeah that that's kind of where i fall on on all those kinds of things yeah and and, and to your point too about uh you know uh indie publishing and sort of uh how it um how you know uh, how it exists in, you know in comparison to a to corporate publishing, uh, one of the one of the reasons that I also love uh, indie publishing, both as as a term and why I enjoy identifying as a as an indie as an indie author, is is for me like artistically I see a correlation with with movies and independent movies. And when mm -hmm. when you talk yeah. about an independent filmmaker, a musician, yeah, independent musician, independent <laughs> filmmaker, it has a very positive connotation. It's like you know this you know, there's a very sort of like there's a certain artistic integrity that's sort of built into that term. And, and the term, you know, self-produced filmmaker doesn't exist because it's it would be right. fucking stupid. But uh, although, it, although I, I have to, I'm sorry, I, I, I want to interrupt. No, because I actually, for like a year, I want to say, Rolling Stone actually started doing that with artists that were doing their own albums, and I want to say, like, said it about maybe Annie Lennox or so, some some pretty big act, like, put out there, and they called it self-released. <laughs> and it just highlighted what a ridiculous term it was. Yeah. And one more thing, I, I and I wanted so um, speaking of like the indie slash self publishing success stories or whatever. Um, and I know I mentioned, and I, I don't mean to like beat up on them or anything, but it actually has to do with exciting press, which I think is awesome. But Fifty Shades, so huge phenomenon. I mean, millions of books. Like I think everyone at Random House got a five thousand uh, dollar annual bonus the year that that trilogy came out wow. but like everyone calls it a self-publishing success story and holds it up as such i would like to note though that it never was and that the author um put it on fan fiction forums in, in the twilight arena and everything and it was found by a place called the writer's coffee shop and the writer's coffee shop is is the company who bought it from that fan fiction form and, and package it into a trilogy. And, and like, it was part of a contest. And I bring that up because there were two authors who won that contest. And I always say random house is the one who got 50 shades and James, but exciting press got Maya because <laughs> the other trilogy in that contest of like erotic fantasy fiction that one was the asylum saga. And it's so good. 
so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, my, so. <laughs> my, my is pretty terrific. And, and also one thing, as you were explaining that, one thing I was thinking is about um, the irony, because I've never actually thought about this before, but, but, uh, but the irony of uh, Random House um, using the narrative of, of, of uh, Fifty Shades being a self-publishing uh, success story where, where so on the one hand, we're going to use it in the narrative of what a great uh, success story, while on the other hand saying self-publishing, that's sort of, you know, for, for the corner of the kids who, you know, can't, aren't quite good. Exactly. Play, you know. Yeah. Um, well, and if, if ever there were an example of an objectively not well-written book, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, I've, and, and I've never read it, but, but also I think I also agree with your point that um, as writers and publishers ourselves, like we know only too well how difficult it is to sell a book, mm-hmm. let alone millions of books. So even if it's a book yeah. that objectively isn't good, it's still ultimately I, you know, I, I, I think we're both happy to see anybody selling a lot of books. Oh, absolutely. Even if it's absolutely. not our thing. Yeah. And so, no, so, I mean, obviously, like I said, I mean, I, I may not be, I may not like it, and I may not think it's good. I, I mean, like I said, but. I certainly don't take it. I I wouldn't want it to be unavailable to the readers who did. You know what I mean? Like, I think that the fact that we can all create, but also the fact that we can all find, like the fact that there's so much out there to read and that, I mean, I think just the more people reading, the better. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, and and so the the connection I was going to make with movies too, is that um, very, very similar to publishing. You've got, you know, you've got uh, you know the the big big Hollywood studios, sure. and they and they their objective, understandably so, is to make uh, big budget movies that appeal to the biggest audience possible. Yeah, and anytime you're trying to appeal to the biggest audience possible, almost by its nature, it's it's next to impossible to make something good because you can't right. reasonably try to reach everybody. And they do, and yeah, and sometimes the movies make a bunch of money, and that's great. Um, whereas like with a, with a indie filmmaker, they're working in a, you know, they're, they're working in, inside of a, a structure where they don't have to, they don't have to speak to a huge audience. They can just make the movie that they want to make that might speak to a relatively yep. small audience, but that audience is going to love this movie because they, they made it for them. And so, so, it, so the, so wearing the hat of an indie author, that's part of why I, I, I take so much pride in it in that, um, uh, you know, big, big pub. You know, the the big publishers like like filmmaker or like uh, studios. They, in order to exist, they have to appeal to as many readers as as possible, and so they're gonna, yeah. as best as they can, find books that appeal to a, a wide range. Where the work that I do and the work that you do with with exciting press is, you know, because I'm I only have to look out for me. I can just write the book that I'm most excited about, and I get to yep. put it out into the world and the audience who's meant to find this book will find it, you know, big or small. And, 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 and that, you know, that, that's, that, that can't happen. That's not going to happen with a big publisher. Yeah. Because again, you know, what, with, um, even if, uh, say an agent, uh, or a publisher or an editor at a publishing house really loved something that you or I did, like really loved it, but didn't think they could sell it, they wouldn't publish it. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, and we don't, I don't envy them that position. Right. Mind you. Yeah. Like, Gosh, no. So, um, so anyway, I, I'll tell you what I, I could, I, I really could sit here and talk to you all day. But <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I was actually, I, I want. There's a 
so speaking of Hedwig and Broadway shows and stuff, though, do you know that there, there's a show called like Untitled or No Title or something like that? But it has it has the um, one of the the themes, I guess, of one of the songs is something like you know it, it's it's um, they want to be like the favorite of ten people rather than like the oh it was okay of a hundred people. Mm. You know what I mean? So that's you just a, reminded me of that. No, that's a, that's that's exactly where it's at, and and that's. Uh, I, I, I sort of, I, I really, again, because we're, we're sort of these, uh, we're, we're kind of, you know, uh, uh, author publishing twinsies. I, I, I think we, I think we share that, which is, you know, yeah, which is, uh, I would like would I, I would much rather have 10 people feel passionately, passionately about something that I did than yeah. as a, as a, as you paraphrase to have a hundred people, you know, feel pretty okay about it. Um, exactly, and 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 we're able to do that, and then we get to continue doing that uh, for, and that's the other exciting thing for for as long as we feel like it. Yeah, for as long as Absolutely. we feel like it, which is don't have to stop, mm-hmm. can't stop, won't stop. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so again, I really, truly could talk to you all day. I think we've I know right several hours. So I'm going to go ahead and let it's you off. It's been the hook. a few hours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let you off the hook, but this this won't okay. be the the last time. I, it, it took me a couple years to get you on the show. It, but it won't be a couple of years before I bring you back on the show. That much, awesome. I, that much I know. Well, when the, when there's when there's more news in our world or from our world, um, I think that'll be great. And and uh, I mean, I'm sure you uh, you have people go places and stuff. But um, just to mention excitingpress.com. Oh, please um, do. And also just like um, any going on Amazon and searching exciting press will bring up any author's books. And I hope that they're found and enjoyed. Um, we are exclusive to Amazon. Um, and, and another time we may get into why, um, but, uh, we don't, there's no, uh, digital rights. So like you can convert our books, put them anywhere you want, read them on anything. Um, we just think Amazon, you know, we said it's the most trusted brand, but it's also like, um, it's just the easiest, the most convenient go for frictionless. Um, so yeah, just check them out. Cause I mean, I couldn't believe more strongly in what I'm doing and what you're doing and what, and in what we're doing. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, so, you know, we'll, uh, we'll exciting press.com. Uh, I know Will will and Trek and Entrick and see, I, I keep fucking up your name. I'm very sorry. <laughs> okay. Mr. Lestrapes. Oh, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was on your website earlier in the day. Uh, how much do you keep up with it? Just as we kind of wrap up, will com. I don't, I, um, I hate blog. Mm-hmm. Like for me, the word sounds like the internet got drunk and threw up on itself. And <laughs> for me, it often reads the same way. Um, when I want to contribute something, um, I try to write longer and put it on uh, out for Kindle because that's kind of like um, it's a matter of what's valuable and what's what's worth it for me. And for me, I think that's getting more stuff, um, more serious writing out there. Cool. Um, you know, it's too serious to be taken seriously, kind of thing. That's not to say like it's great or anything. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm on Twitter, um, Instagram, I guess. Um, but I, I think that uh, I, I've just kind of gravitated more toward where my energies feel most relevant. Awesome. Awesome. Well, listen, Will, yep. my, my brother from another mother. Yeah, I dude, am, this is awesome. I am so <laughs> very happy. I'm glad we got to do this. I'm thrilled that we got to do this. I'm so happy that I get to cool. call you my friend. And Absolutely, I, and and we're gonna have to meet sometime. I was so jealous that you got to not only talk to and like host her, but meet Emma first. <laughs> I I got to meet her like 
I want to say earlier this year, we I, she was doing a comedy festival in Pittsburgh, so we, we met up then. But can't wait to meet you, dude. Absolutely. So, if if yeah. at any point you find yourself you in Chanel. Las Vegas. Or, Chanel, right? Yes. Chanel? Yep. That's a, okay. Yeah, if you find yourself in Las Vegas, which is uh, which are my new stomping grounds, or if I find myself I know. Out, out your way. Anytime you want to come to Pittsburgh, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll make it happen. And uh, <laughs> at any rate, I'm so happy that, that you did the show and that, uh, that you're my friend. And I can't wait to do more work with Exciting Press. Exactly. I can't wait to hear from you and see those stories, man. So I'll, t- I'll talk to you again soon, man. And there you have it. That was my conversation with my friend, Will Entrican. And uh, and at the end there, uh, one thing that he mentioned, which uh, I, I don't think he and I, I don't think we mentioned it at any, any other part of our conversation, but Will and I have not yet had the opportunity to meet in, in person. And so, and, and so the funny thing is, even though he and I have not met in person, I still consider him, you know, one of my very dear and close friends and, and absolutely a confidant and, a, and an ally, you know, within the, the writing community. So, um and but you know but, but you know it's kind of the nature of how we met, which was, you know, we met online, which uh, without the internet we wouldn't have met at all. So so you know he he's on the east coast, I'm on the west coast. But at some point, as as you heard us kind of say towards the end there, we'll definitely find a time to meet in person. But but in the meantime, uh, we can still have epic three hour podcast conversations. So anyway, there's that. And that's going to do it for episode number 133 of the Martin Lestrap Show podcast hour. Again, I want to remind you, if you have any shopping to do, go to Amazon.com. But first, go to the official website of this podcast, MartinLestrapsShow.com. Go to the shop page. Once you get there, hit the Amazon banner. It's going to take you to Amazon. Once you're there, uh, buy, buy yourself uh, The Prodigal Hour, which is, which is Will Entrican's novel, or just buy any book. Uh, by Exciting Press. I know Will would very much appreciate it. If you haven't already, pick up uh, pick up my short stories, which were published by Exciting Press, which uh, which Will and I talked about. Uh, Footsteps, Peppermint Breath, and The Plan. And, uh, and you know, depending on when you listen to this, uh, the, the, the short story collection that, uh, that I'm working on that uh, Will and I talked about might very well be available. I mean, if you're listening to the episode the week that it came out, which, as far as I'm concerned, is this this week then um you know it's it's not it's not yet available but you know it could very well be that this time next year that short story collection will be available to you and and even better than that if it is then go go through the shop page on the website buy it because i will definitely have it featured on the website and then you know everybody wins will wins exciting press wins i win you win Everybody wins. I guess, sort of by definition, all of the people that I just named would be included in, in everybody. Whatever, whatever. I'm, I'm just trying to wrap up here. So, anyway, thank you very much, Will Entrican, for, for being on the show. You were a wonderful guest, and I can't wait to have you back on. Thank you, everybody, for, for tuning in and enjoying the podcast. That was very presumptuous of me, but, I mean, you know, obviously, you enjoyed it. If you didn't enjoy that conversation with Will... Then, uh, then I'm not sure that I'm doing anything on this show that uh, that you're enjoying. So, so certainly you enjoyed it. Anyway, anyway, let me let, let me wrap this fucker up. I'm I'm done. So, uh, thanks again, and until next time, I will see you on the other side.